Welcome to Beyond Limits Week 2, and I'm Jason Villanueva, super excited to have you guys here. This is going to be playing off of what we talked about last week. So last week, we talked about the Lord revealing himself to people and uh, people in the scriptures, and those people simply presenting themselves to him and saying, here I am, or uh, hineni, and so they use that word in the Hebrew to answer or to listen to the voice of the Lord and hear what he had to say. We talked about the Father inviting people into a relationship and into his plan and his will, and uh, and people would respond to that. But this week, I want to talk a little bit more about how the Lord, when he does that, he gives very specific details to people in the way that he wants to have them partner with them in uh, bringing about his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so getting a little more uh, focused, I suppose, on hearing from the Lord and knowing just that he can, he can speak whatever he wants and he can give us as much detail or as little detail as he wants. But what we're going to see in some of the scriptures that we explore today is that he gave very, uh, very detailed uh, descriptions of what he wanted these people to do and be a part of. And so... Um, I want to start by maybe just talking about destiny. So we talked about the Lord revealing himself to people. And I believe that when he begins to reveal himself and his will to us, that we're starting to get a glimpse of the destiny that he has for our life. And so if you're looking at the PDF, I put the statement down. It says, his call to you into relationship with him and into partnership in bringing about his will. Um and so that kind of breaks into two different two different things. There's a work that God's going to do in you in that, and there's the work that God's going to do through you. And so uh, I had a friend who, uh, he was a good mentor of mine. His name is Jonathan, Jonathan Workman, and he did ministry with us for quite a while. And I used to pray things like, uh, God, get me out of the way so that you can move. And so we would essentially remove ourselves from the equation, say, okay, I don't want to be a part of this. You just do what you're going to do. And he corrected me one day and he said, I hear you saying, get me out of the way. Um, he said, but you know, help me bring a little, or let me bring a little bit of insight into that. He said, you essentially removing yourself from the equation, but the Lord wants to partner with you, right? He wants to bring you into what he has and you're going to do this together. So there's a partnership. And so it's a partnering together in relationship and in bringing about his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so think of it that way. We want to work with the Lord to do what he wants us to do. So Romans 8, 28, uh, verse 29 through 30, let me read this to you. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so... He knew us before the foundations of the earth. He, he, he knew us, he knit us together in our mother's womb, but he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And so we can say that part of our destiny is to be conformed into the image of Christ, that we're being transformed, conformed, transfigured into the image of Christ. And so that's, that's destiny piece number one. And so then it goes on to say, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those whom he predestined, he also called, we're talking about calling by his voice, his Ruach goes forth and he calls us into that, right? So those he called, uh, those whom he called, he also justified 
and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it's the work of the Lord calling out to us. He knew before the foundations of the earth, before anything was ever created, he knew who we were. He knew who we would be. He knew what our purpose was. And number one purpose was to conform us into the image of his son and to invite us into that will. So He's going to do something in us by transforming us into the likeness of Christ. He's going to do something through us. And we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua for good deeds which God prepared beforehand so we might walk in him. And so if we look at these two scriptures together, in one hand, before uh, we were ever created, before anything ever happened, we were predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son, and we were also predestined in Christ to do good works that God prepared for us beforehand. So he knew exactly who we would be, He knew exactly what we would do, where we would go. He knew the point in our lives where he would call out to us, those whom he, uh, what does it say? Those whom he predestined, he also called. So he knew what he had for us. He knew when he was going to speak to us to call us into that relationship and into that partnership with us. Um, So uh, really cool stuff on destiny. Uh, I, I, I love teaching this little bit about the in you and the through you. He wants to do something in you and he wants to do something through you. We're not just servants of the Lord without relationship or without any other purpose. It's not like we just get commands and then all of a sudden, um, you know, we're, we're no longer in relationship with the Lord. It's as, as if he abandons us along the way after he's given us our commands, right? Uh, the version of the Bible that I'm using is called the Tree of Life version. It's the TLV, and I find it on Bible Gateway. And uh, I really like that version because it'll still highlight some uh, terminology using uh, different words or Hebrew words. And then it kind of allows me to go back and study a little bit more in depth what some of those words mean. God has, the Lord has figured out, or not figured out, he's predestined us. He has foreknown us. We are foreknew in Christ and we are brought to this earth. We're called into partnership and relationship with the father. He does something in us. He does something through us. And so I want to talk about some of that destiny. Like what is that? And what does that look like? And how do we begin to tap into some of that? Jesus taught us in Matthew six, verse nine through 13. This is the Lord's prayer. He says, therefore, pray this way, our father in heaven, sanctified or hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so on earth as it is in heaven is such an important phrase there. So there is a way that it is now in heaven. There, there is the Father's will. There's the Father's government. Um, 
He rules and he reigns. He makes judgments. He does all of these things. And so he has a will and a plan for the earth that we're invited to be a part of. And he has very specific assignment for each and every single one of us. And we all have very different assignments. And when the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray, um, he says, pray this way. And he gives us this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this idea that we can pray and connect to the Father. I truly believe that prayer is a, it's a two-way communication. It's a we talk and, and, and we listen. You know, we say things and he says things, or he says things and then we say things. It is two-way communication. So when Jesus is saying pray, pray this way. And so he's essentially saying, you know, our Father who art in heaven, he's saying, look, focus on the Father who's in heaven. Right. And then he gives us the way that we should look. So he says, our father who art in heaven. So when you pray, lift your eyes, right? Lift your head, bring your, your, your mind, your body and your spirit into alignment and focus everything there to the heavens and pray to the Lord and communicate with him there. And then we get to say his will on earth here as it is there. And so if we're going to know what he wants to happen here, we have to figure it out there because that's where Jesus says we should focus our attention, right? He doesn't say, well, figure it out down here and then ask God if that's a good idea. And then if he says, yes, well, then make it happen. The Lord already has a will. He has a heart. He has a desire. And so we can look to him and ask and, and in prayer and communication and engaging with the Lord, we can receive that will from the Father. In uh, Romans uh, chapter two or 12, verse 2, it says, or in verse one, it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Um, and then it says, so that you can um, discern and know the good and pleasing will of God. And so there's that theme of knowing the will of the Father, knowing those predestined good works, knowing what it, knowing how it is in heaven, and then partnering with the Lord, with Father Yahweh, to bring that to earth. And so let me read you to you in Hebrews chapter eight, verse five and six. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews eight, verse five and six. The writer of Hebrews is kind of given a, um, a recap on what happened, uh, what, how like the, the Royal priesthood came along and the purpose and the function that the Royal priesthood served while they were here on earth. And so here's what, here's what the writer says, that they, the high priest, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. So the, the entire temple, the tabernacle, the sacrifice, everything that the Lord commanded to happen on earth, right? That sanctuary temple service, the high priest, everything that God told them to do in the way that the temple was built, that sanctuary was a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. So Jesus says, as it is in heaven, we're going to bring it to earth. And this was a concept that was happening already in the Old Testament. The sanctuary was literally, literally a copy and shadow of what's in heaven. And Yahweh gave very specific instructions to build that sanctuary so that it was an exact replica of what was in heaven. So there was a will in heaven, and he made that manifest on earth. And again, he uses people to do that. And so it says, this is why Moses was warned um, when he was about to build a tabernacle. 
see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So when Moses was on the mountain and he was, he was there with the Lord, he was receiving command. He was interacting, engaging with creator God. He got very specific instruction on how to build the tabernacle and how to build the furniture that went into the tabernacle. And it wasn't, Oh, just, you know, around four or five feet. That sounds good. As we're going to see here in just a little while, it's like down to the cubit (laughs) is what scripture tells us. Excuse me. So it says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator mediator is superior to the old one, since a new covenant is established on better promises. So the writer of Hebrews was talking about Jesus becoming our high priest and how Jesus entered into the actual heavenly sanctuary to to present the sacrifice on our behalf and intercede on our behalf so that the sins of the entire world would be forgiven. And so the high priest would enter into a physical tabernacle on earth. Jesus went into that actual tabernacle in heaven. But again, that concept of as it is in heaven coming to earth, we get a really interesting picture of that there in Hebrews. But let's talk a little bit about, um, excuse me, talk a little bit about, um, some of these people in the scriptures who found, uh, who didn't find, who the Lord called, and then he gave them very specific instruction on how they should be a part of the plan that he had. And so Moses, we see in Exodus 25, 8 through 16, we just read about it in Hebrews, but here's some of the specific instructions that the Lord gave Moses. He says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Have them make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four rings, four gold rings for it, and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed, he says. Then put the ark and the tablets, ark and the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. <coughs> and so we see that the Lord gave Moses very specific instructions. And he told him, be careful to do it exactly according to the pattern that I show you, that the Lord has a will and he has a desire. And if he tells us to say something and he says, tell that person that they need to take off their left shoe and throw it in the air twice. Well, then you say, the Lord said, take off your left shoe and throw it in the air twice. Not uh, the Lord said, Uh, take off your shoes and then just kind of toss them up and then gather them and then toss them up again. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like very specific instructions, right? Very specific obedience, very specific will that the father has for us to partner in. I think that's really important. I can tell you that um, as I began to use my lunch breaks over the past couple of weeks to run, 
um, just 30 minute runs over my lunch break. I get an hour, I show up. And one of the things that it is, I just, I stopped wearing headphones while I was running so that I could hear from the Lord and talk to the Lord. And I remember Christine had messaged me one day and she said, Hey, have you, have you thought anything about this class that, you know, that we talked about you doing? And I said, um, I haven't, <laughs> but let me talk to the Lord and see what he has to say about it. And so there for about a week, I would go on a run and I would just focus on the Lord while I was running. For some of you, that sounds impossible because you'd probably be, you know, huffing and puffing. But for me, I'm able to really focus and just kind of dial in. My body is busy and my mind and my spirit are focused on him. And so it just kind of helps me. And so I began to ask questions of the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do I need to be teaching this class about? What does this need to look like? And he began to show me how it it was going to bridge the gap between uh, the scriptures and the supernatural, the engaging heaven, the courts of heaven and all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, so we're going to, you know, use the scriptures to help move people in that direction, have a better understanding uh, scripturally found, you know, foundation. Okay. So that gave me the purpose for the class. And then I said, okay, how many weeks do I need to do? What's what, let's just talk about week one, Lord, what is week one? And as I would run, he would give me a couple little sentences. I would take out my voice recorder. I would speak to my voice recorder um, exactly what I just heard. And then I would go back to running. <clears throat> and then I would go back later and I would meditate on that and think on it and say, okay, Lord, what, you know, what are some of the scriptures? What are some of the stories? What does some of that look like? And I did that entire process for all four weeks of this class. And so everything that I'm teaching in this class is because I went to the Lord and said, I want very specific instructions on exactly what I need to be doing. Not everybody functions that way. Um, some people really do move by the spirit and that's, that's awesome. But I believe that in relationship with the Lord, we can ask for those specifics and, and most often he'll give us those specifics. And so that's just a little personal uh, note on you know, connecting with the Lord and, and, and finding his will in that way. But um, going back to the story of Moses, he's told how to make the sanctuary and he's told how to make the ark. And then he's told exactly how to make the table and he's told exactly how to make the lampstand. Now, if I were somebody who built buildings and I created, um, I created a, a schematic or essentially measurements and uh, lengths and widths and heights and put that all down on paper for somebody to follow when they built what I had told them to build, a word that we could use for that would be a blueprint, right? So when engineers get together and they put together an idea for a building, they give everything in exact measurements and it all works together and all has a purpose. It all has a plan. Nothing, everything, there's a place for everything and everything has its place. Um, nothing is wasted. Everything is used. And so that would be called a blueprint. And so I would say that the Lord actually, maybe you've heard this phrase before, you know, the Lord giving you blueprints for ministry and giving us mandates. Well, the mandate is when he invites us into this work and the blueprint is when he gives us the very specific details on how we're to walk and live that out. And so, Again, Exodus 25, verse 40 says, see that you make them according to the patterns shown you on the mountain. That's where Hebrews had uh, drawn its uh, reference from. So let's just look at a couple more real quick. I, I won't uh, read every single verse in this part where it's Noah and the flood, but Genesis chapter 6, 
Uh, we know that the Lord decides that he's going to destroy everybody but Noah. And the way that he's going to save Noah is he's going to have Noah build an ark. And then he's going to fill it with his family and two of every animal. And then he, uh, the Lord's going to cause it to rain and Noah's going to be saved in the ark. But Noah, first of all, I I can't actually find anything in scripture that says that there was any kind of boat that had ever been built. And I also don't believe that it had ever rained either. And so Noah was doing really something, something really interesting, but how in the world would he have known how to make a boat if no one else was making boats? Uh, so, you know, the Lord um, gives them very specific instructions, excuse me. And so just starting in verse 14 there, he says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high, not roughly 30 cubits, exactly 30 cubits, right? Make a roof for it, leaving, uh, leaving below the roof an opening for one cubit high all around, put a door on the side of the ark. Uh, make a lower, middle, and upper deck. And then the Lord says what he's going to do. But again, we have another scriptural reference of the father giving Noah the blueprints to build an ark. And where, again, where did the blueprints originate? Where did the details originate? From the mouth of Yahweh, from heaven. And so there is a will, there's a desire that the father has and he's going to bring that manifested out into the earth by using man, inviting him into that mission and that relationship, and then giving him very specific details on how to go about doing what he was told to do. And so one more, verse 22, still looking at the story of Noah, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I mean, how amazing is that? Like I would... I would love to have that statement made of me, you know, that Jason did everything just as God had commanded him. Maybe I don't do it as soon as God has commanded me, but I end up doing it and being obedient and, you know, hopefully exactly according to the way that he's told me to do it. So one more place, um, Ezekiel and the temple. I just want to kind of show you that it's all throughout the scriptures, not just one instance. It's multiple instances where the Lord has used this method essentially to invite people in and give them specific detail. I'm just going to hammer it uh, as much as I can in this, in the, during this week. So if you want to go read the, all the chapters on where the Lord is showing Ezekiel the vision of the temple, it's Ezekiel chapter 40 chapter 41, 42, and 43. And so I'll just start in 40 and read um, just a little bit. So it says, In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th of the month, in the 14th year after the fall of the city, on that very day, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he took me there in visions— Right, So this is supernatural interaction. It's not like Ezekiel stumbled on a book in the forest and somebody had written down these things. In visions, God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. So Ezekiel's getting a mountaintop view and the Lord's beginning to show him things. This is all happening supernaturally. So um, in visions, God took him to the land of Israel. So there's this idea of like traveling with the father in the spirit to go see things, right? I mean, it's there. He's done it. And so it says, he set me on a very high mountain 
on whose south side uh, were some buildings that looked like a city. He took me there, and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze. He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. The man said to me, son of man, look carefully and listen closely and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why you have been brought here. And then tell the people of Israel everything you see. <coughs> Can you imagine if we embraced that mentality? If we positioned ourselves every time we engaged with the Lord, anytime we went into prayer and we focused and we focused on the heavenlies and we said, okay, Jesus, and, you know, take our hands. We're giving your imagination. What do you have to show us? What do you want us to hear? What do you want us to see? Can you imagine if we just had that, that, um, we positioned our heart and our mind and our spirits to say, I'm going to, I'm going to look carefully. I'm going to listen closely and I'm going to pay attention to everything that you're going to show me. Like, I mean, just having that mindset when we engage with the Lord, I think that would really kind of open some things up for us to not just as we're expecting things to happen and, Oh, that was interesting. And, Oh, that was really interesting, but that we'd be very careful to listen and pay attention to what the Lord wants to show us. So just moving on again, some just kind of hammering down the like specifics how the, the Lord gave in these instances um, it says that he went to the east gate, he climbs its steps and measured the threshold of the gate. It was one rod deep. The alcoves for the guards were one rod long and one rod wide. And the projecting walls between the alcoves were five cubits thick. And the threshold of the gate next to the portico, portico facing the temple was one rod deep. Then he measured the portico gateway. It was eight cubits deep and its jams were two cubits thick. The portico of the uh, gateway faced the temple. So, Again, there's just more and more and more detail that the Lord has given. And so um, let me read Ezekiel 43, 10 through 12. And it says, Son of man, describe the temple to the people of Israel that they may be ashamed of their sins. Let them consider its perfection. And if they are ashamed of all they have done, make known to them the design of the temple, its arrangement, its exits and its entrances, its whole design and its regulations and laws. Write these down before them so that they may be faithful to its design and follow all its regulations. This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on the mountaintop will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. So Yahweh was very specific to Ezekiel, giving him these instructions, giving him this mandate. And he says, go talk to the people. And as soon as they, they listen, if they listen, well, then I want you to tell them everything that I've shown you. And he's saying, make known the design, its arrangements, its exits, its whole design and all the laws and the purpose behind it. And I believe that this is... Um, this is how the Lord can work and I believe would love to work with us rather than us building something and saying, Lord, will you fill this and will you bless this thing, which is what a lot of us do. I'm just as guilty. You know what? This sounds like a good idea. This ministry, that sounds like a really good ministry. Yeah, we should go pray for the homeless. Yeah, we should, we should feed these people and we should do this and support that ministry and do all of these things and all that stuff's good, but we get we get so excited about stuff and we start to move forward with it. And all of a sudden someone says, well, have you prayed about that? And you're like, no, I haven't. And then we go and we take all of our plans and all of our blueprints and all of our will. And then we present it to him and we say, Lord, will you bless this? 
Have you ever thought that maybe he has a blessed will that he just desires to give to us? Would you much rather try and work to figure out, magically figure out what the will of the Lord is and then hope that he's going to bless it? Or would you much rather just say, Father, what do you have? If, if I'm supposed to move into this ministry, will you give me the blueprint? Will you show me? Will you give me the details? How do I run this thing? What's it going to look like? And I'm, I'm preaching to myself, by the way, right now, just so you know. Instead of asking him to bless this thing, why don't we see what he's already blessed and commissioned? Why don't we pray and see what, how it is in heaven and how we're to partner with him to bring it about on earth? So, Jesus, Jesus did this. Jesus had the will of the Father. He knew the heart of the Father. He knew the plans of Yahweh, John 5, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, Yeshua answered them, amen, amen, I tell you, the son cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he does. He will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And so do you know that in John chapter one, it says, to those that believed, he gave the right to become children of God, not born of a man's decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. And so we are sons of the living God. And so if Jesus is our example, Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers. Jesus is our big brother, essentially, showing us what it's like to walk as true sons of Yahweh, to be good sons, to be manifest, mature sons of God, then Jesus showed us, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus showed us that he only did what he saw the Father doing. So he was looking to the Father to see what he was doing, and then he began to do the same thing. Do you know that children mimic the actions of their parents, right? I mean, where do they learn most of what they do? They do what we do. And this is Jesus says, we got to, we, you know, it's like the children. These are the ones you got to become like one of these to enter into the kingdom of God. And it's the children who have such faith and trust upon their parents. And then they mimic what they do. They look to them to learn what to do, to know what is right, to know what is wrong, right? For love and affection and all these things. And so Jesus was only doing what he saw the father doing. He was only saying what, the, what he saw the father saying. He wasn't doing anything on his own. It says the son cannot do anything by himself. And so we cannot decide how we're going to live this life and walk in our destiny. Well, maybe it's my destiny to this, and maybe I should walk in this. And trying to do that without the instruction and the will of God, is it's truly fruitless. And this isn't to like bash on anybody or make anybody feel good or feel bad. This is an invitation from the Lord to come to him and just simply say, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Now tell me what that will is. Would you reveal to me what that will is so that I can partner with you and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray. Um, and then one last scripture here, Romans 12, 2. 
says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There is a good, a pleasing, and a perfect will of God. And we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We can refuse to be conformed to this age and we can discern and we can go to the Lord and say, Hey, show me what's good. Show me what's pleasing to you. Show me what's perfect. And it may just be that all of a sudden the Lord takes you in the spirit to a mountaintop and shows you this vision and then says, Hey, here's what it looks like. Get a pen. And then you start to write things down. I mean, I have Evernote and Evernote is my tablet where when the Lord gives me revelation and he gives me wisdom and knowledge and he helps, lets me see things, I immediately open up my phone and I just start to type that stuff out because I want to make sure that I get it right and that I'm not thinking, oh, maybe he said that or what did he say that one time? I want to make sure I get those thoughts down so I can go back to them um, later. So all of this to say, look to him for what you should do and exactly how you should do it. I think that is a very basic teaching, but I think it's super powerful and so profound. And when it comes to bridging the gap into engaging heaven, this is, I believe, a very scriptural um, foundation to see how the Lord did that in the scripture. So when somebody says, yeah, and then, you know, the Lord, he took me to this place and then he showed me this thing. And so now I've got this blueprint and this is the ministry that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring forth on earth. And someone says, well, you know, actually uh, the majority of God's revealed will is already in the scriptures. And I'm going to say, actually it's, you know, when you, sh he did this all through the old Testament he gave people specific commands and empowered them in the New Testament. And they went and they did the ministry that the Lord had for them. And then when you shut the book, he's continuing to do this because all the apostles, right, have gone to be with the Lord. All of the people who were in the scriptures, they're with Yahweh now. And so it's us. And scripture says we have a great cloud of witnesses that are essentially cheering us on saying, yeah, go right? The hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, and this was faith and that was faith. And they did this and they did that. And Moses and Elijah and Samson and all these people did what Yahweh told them to do. And they're all listed. And it says that it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. But all those people who have gone before us as we're reaching out to the father and we're listening and he's revealing himself and we're getting will and we're getting detail. We're getting specifics. We're saying, yes, Lord, all of heaven is saying, yes, you're getting it. You're doing it in heaven. It's here. We want to bring it there. God wants to manifest everything into the earth. Did you know that the new Jerusalem comes from heaven to earth? We think that all of a sudden one day, like the earth is going to fade and then we're going to be in heaven with God. Revelation says that he comes to be with us and he uses people, he uses the church, he uses those who would listen by the Spirit in them to bring about that new heaven coming down to earth. Jesus said, pray like this, your will on earth as it is in heaven. The way that this earth is going to look in its, in its foolish redemption, a, a new earth, a new heaven, all old things passing away and everything new coming, that's going to happen here. And it's coming and we get to be a part of it and the Lord invites you into it and we can truly go to him for the very specific instruction behind it all.